Hello you, it's Graham Norton here. Thank you so much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose this weekend. Giovanna Fletcher fills us in on her latest role in a new stage play, Wish You Were Dead. Gordon Buchanan takes us behind the scenes of his tour, 30 Years in the Wild. Comedian Jade Adams tells us about the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, which is coming to the O2 in London in March. Show chef Martha tells us what we can cook with leftover mashed potatoes and flip some pancakes. And we have another round of our latest game, Word Up. See if you can guess the mystery word. But before all of that. Maria and I have some dilemmas to deliberate in Graham's guide. Here's Maria to kick us off. Rude. Which is she? <laughs> I'm both today. I'm magically rude today, Graham Norton. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. I have to say, I just watched your programme on the train coming up here. I mean, do you know what? You had seven people, seven big Hollywood stars on your sofa last night on the televisual show, um, all kind of with big egos vying for it. They were all, you know, even though they're smiling, they're counting the airtime minutes, <laughs> let me tell you, because they're all competing with each other. I, I, at one point, I just thought to myself, if I, if, if I was Graham, I would have just put my head in my hands and said, I can't do this, <laughs> talk amongst yourselves, because the ringmastering involved... And making sure everybody's happy and keeping an eye on, you know, Eugene Levy at the end because he's at the end and has he spoken for a while? I mean, too many people. Did you watch the music performance? Oh, Pink, yes. With Wasn't that amazing? Trampoline. Well, I've seen the trampoline man. A little like Pink, I have followed the trampoline man. Yes. And seen him do that. And I mean, there's variations of that. Uh, well, it's a really old, it's a really old vaudeville act. It is used to, it? Yeah, it used to be a drunk, you used to, uh, someone pretending to be drunk. For people that haven't seen it, it's a man sort of, you know, falling on a trampoline and trying to get up to the top of the step. It's a sort of metaphor for life, isn't it, really? Yeah. And he falls and then he gets up to the third step. Except he looks like he doesn't hurt himself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did think to myself, I wonder if Graham said at the end of that, can I have a go? No, nobody did. Uh, but, but, uh, so, two things. One, even if you hate the television show, fast forward to the pink performance because the, the staging is really clever. I found it, like, thrilling. To be in the room watching yeah, this yeah. guy doing this trampolining was amazing. And doing it so effortlessly. Oh, yeah. And we were watching it, and, you know, because all of us on the couch were watching it. 73 I, people yeah, on that couch. On that couch. We were you need all a bigger couch. It, and we were going, wow, he's so good. Makes it look, exactly what you said. He makes it look so effortless. And then we were thinking, wow, it must have taken so long to be able to do that. It must be so hard to be able to do that. But at the end of it, that's what you're able to do. Like, it's, it's not that applicable. There's not many well, there's not many things you can do with no, it. No, once you've mastered it, all you can do is do it again and again and again. But I think there's very... Which issues. is a metaphor for life. If you find... what's the, Can you remember the name of the man, Justin? Johan Bourgeois. Oh, well done. If you Google him, you'll see that he does lots of different elements on the same theme. He's a performance artist, I'm yeah. told. I kind of want him to do it blindfold. Well, or or at we, least have an accident and push Pink off the top. <laughs> Isn't no, she great? I there love were no, Pink. There was a crash mat at the back, but she wasn't attached to a wire or anything. Well, she does all her trapeze stunts and yeah. so on. She's fearless, that no, she woman. She really is fearless. I love her. How's your week been, please? Apart from too many stars. You're trending, somebody told me as well, on Twitter. Oh, dear. Because of your TV that's show. That's the end of my career. Yeah, you've been cancelled, apparently. <laughs> oh, OK. You've been cancelled because you had too oh, many stars on. Is, is, that why, is that why those people drive? Driving, going to stop listening for, uh, in, in about 25 minutes <laughs> because they know my career's over. We should stop listening. At Sorry, about Graham. Half 10. We'll You've stop had quite half 10. a good run, though. Yeah, haven't you? yeah it's gone it's well. It's been at least, what, 65 years now? Oh, but man and boy. 
Boy and man. Um, very good. Now, uh, we are going to get to our problems today. We are going to get with that, as we normally do every week. Okay. Why should we stop now? Oh, well, I because of you to... being cancelled? Well, exactly. I, I also, I want to read these problems. I don't want to be cancelled because of the problems. That's, that's, that's my big... Oh, you haven't read them yet? No, not yet. Oh, you're not very professional. No, no. That's but another I... reason for you being cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> I've read them. But I've got... Have you? <laughs> You know me too well. <laughs> we'll we'll be the judge of that when you read them aloud. Virgin Radio. Dear Graham and Maria, I love my neighbour. She takes my parcels in for me when I'm at work, looks after my dog three times a week, which I pay her for, in brackets, and cuts my side of the grass whenever she mows the lawn. The problem is, she keeps coming round to my house. She'll bring a bottle, suggest we get tickets for this and that. She's always popping back for coffee, etc. Do you know, I think she's trying to get off with me. We're both divorced in our mid-40s, but I am absolutely not interested in her in that way. I don't want to upset her, though, because, you know, she's very useful. I just don't know what to do. Help, please. And that's from Alex in Leicester. Wow, a lot happened in that letter. Oh, my goodness. That was kind of, you know, short and to the point. No, Alex in Leicester, when you say I'm not interested in her in that way, you're not interested in her at all. Let's be honest. And that is where you are going wrong here because I think your neighbour is a bit lonely. You know, you're both divorced, blah, 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 blah. She likes you. She likes the dog. She does chores for you etc you know you pay her and all of that but she needs a chum you know not everyone is after your trousers alex in leicester it just yeah well maybe she is but you can if you sit down and talk to her you can put that right you can find out about a bit about her life but you can you know hey alex in leicester invent a girlfriend just drop the girlfriend into the conversation so she knows you're not on the market. You shouldn't have to do that, but if you chat to her and find out what's going on and you tell her about your life, you will both soon realise that there is no chemical connection, there's no attraction here from your point of view, and that will become apparent to her. At the moment, she's like your sort of useful slave, and I'm not thrilled with that idea as a concept. But equally... Whatever happens here, she's going to get hurt. Well, you know, you can't get hurt from something that hasn't actually happened. You what can. She wants if, you, is a if you sit down and have a long talk and realise, oh, he's not interested in me at all, and you are interested in that person, you are hurt. Momentarily. But he still lives next door. She'll still have the dog to look after and the lawn to cut and your parcels to cut. In. But I just think it's it sounds very one-way traffic at the moment, Alex, and you're... You're resistant to making it more of a chummy friendship. You know, it's not all about getting off with people. If you make it a chummy friendship and you make it very clear, then everybody should be able to rub along, carry on. Yes, I do think cut your own grass, you big lazy git. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Well, we don't know. Alex's neighbour may cut it every other day just as a way to get close to him. Yes. Oh, I cut your... (laughs) Yes, I cut your But, grass you know, head. you can mention that there's a girl at work that you're seeing or something. But you're not. It, no, she lives next door. She goes, when do you see that woman? You never see her. This She's never here. This is a white here. lie. This no, is no, a but you can't lie. get away with that white lie. In this. Normally, that would be a good thing to do, to say, oh, actually, I have a girlfriend. But because she lives next door, 
I mean, she's going to notice. No, you don't say I have a girlfriend. You say there's somebody at work that it's early days, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. But, you know. Early days. I never see her. She never sees me. We're on the same page. (laughs) It's early days. Other rhyming things as well. I'm in a haze. Uh, (laughs) uh, But just so she knows that the market isn't for her in this particular case. But look, you can be friends. I feel at the moment it's just your take, take, taking from this lady. And yes, maybe she's got a secret agenda. Not so secret. Uh, But, you know, you can't blame a a girl for trying. You're obviously quite the catch, Alex in Leicester. You're really hot and everybody wants to get up with you. Also, if they get together, then they could knock through. And uh, what a beautiful house they'd have then. Well, if you get together, you can you don't have to pay her for looking after the dog. It'll be no. her dog too. Oh, yeah, and her lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, no more parcels once you're married. So, basically, what we're saying is knock through, knock the houses through, <laughs> marry the lady next door and stop moaning, Alex and Esther. No, we're not saying that. We're just saying be honest. And today, my favourite responders will be receiving Waitrose... American-style blueberry pancakes. Oh, Graham, do you have any more information about them? I do. You get four buttermilk pancakes with blueberries, light, fluffy buttermilk pancakes, speckled with juicy blueberries, delicious served warm, with vanilla ice cream. Oh, ready-made, perfect for Shrove Tuesday. See, you can't go wrong there. You can't burn them. They can't get stuck to the ceiling. You know, you can't under or overcook them. They're done with blueberries. Vanilla ice cream. Lovely. Okay. Uh, Dave in Gloucester says, Firstly, be grateful that you have good neighbours. I had nightmare neighbours for many years and it's horrific. Just carry on as you are with your neighbour and one day you will hopefully find someone and then she'll get the message. Lorraine uh, is in Langley in Kent. Well, Alex and Lester, you just need to drop into a conversation with the lady next door. How happy you are with your single life, enjoying your time alone with no one to answer to and not sure if you'll ever want to change. She may get the hint. I think if you start talking about relationships, it's like, oh, why would he have talked about relationships if he wasn't interested in him? All of that. Uh, Sue in Reading. Alex is assuming a lot. Maybe the neighbour feels sorry for him. Invite her round, get to know her, drop into conversation. He's not looking for anyone romantically. Again, you've invited her around. I'm not sure that's sending out the right message. Uh, John in Staley Bridge. Wow, Alex. No shortage of ego here, is there? So, you're happy for her to do your lawn, look after your dog and collect your parcels. But friendship? Oh, no. She must fancy you. She's being friendly. If you don't want to be her friend, don't take advantage of her. If you are truly worried she fancies you, next time she comes around, speak as friends and simply say you're not looking for a relationship at the moment. And Julie from Liverpool says, Well, my advice to Alex is to dig deep and find some kindness and empathy. Do something for your neighbour. Mow your neighbour's grass and give her a thank you gift for all she does. She's probably looking for a friend, not a boyfriend. You can easily say to her, You're a great neighbour and it's great we're friends and no more. (laughs) Cold. (laughs) You just see the long walk back to her back door. Uh, it's hard to know who to give my, my um, waitress American style blueberry pancakes to. Do you know what? I'm going to give them to Dave in Gloucester, who has essentially said, do nothing. <laughs> Just keep going till you do actually have a real partner. Uh, so, yes, he gets the waitress American style blueberry pancakes. Graham's Guide. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, 
I borrowed my friend's lovely Mark Jacobs boots for a wedding and managed to snap the heel off with my wild dancing during the reception. Oh no, they were nearly £300 and I'm beside myself with worry. I called Mark Jacobs and, well not him personally obviously, but the store or something, and they said they couldn't do anything as the boots were old and I need a specialist cobbler. What a nightmare! How can I confess to this? It was such a generous favour and I just don't have £300 to replace them. Oh, that is from Jade in Southampton. Well also, Jade in Southampton, even if you did have £300 to replace them, they're old and they clearly don't do them anymore. I mean, Mark Jacobs here, step up to the plate. (laughs) Anyone listening from Mark Jacobs, come on. You know, I didn't realise that you can't repair things because it's old. Old is now anything past three months, I'm afraid. They made a very sensible suggestion. Go what? to a specialist cobbler. Yes, I know, but, you know, specialist cobblers are very hard to come by. I'm thinking maybe one of the Virgin Radio listeners might be a specialist cobbler or know of one. It can't be beyond the wit of man or woman to attach a heel back on a boot, surely. I mean, <laughs> I listen, Jade in Southampton, I'd have a go with a bit of PVA, a couple of nails and some Gorilla Glue. Chewing gum and then she can <laughs> think she did it herself. <laughs> No, you have to. You cannot give her them back with a repair that you do not tell her about. I mean, even I would, you know, these are things that Google is for, basically, and other search engines, is that you maybe get in touch with the repair shop and say, look, I know that this isn't your area of expertise. You do wood and old walking horses from 19- oh, that repair shop. 1903. Oh, yeah. I see, yes. No, you get in touch with a specialist TV program and you say, look, I'm in desperate need. Um, I'll give you some publicity on the Graham Norton Virgin radio show. But Jay's not going to cry when they give her a boot with a heel on it, is aren't they? And no, but they won't do it for. But they might know of someone because they have got all the master craftsmen. And, you know, I used to have one of these people, I would be saying it myself, but I'm sadly he passed away, who would do everything that all the other cobblers say, nah, you can't do that, that's beyond repair, love. Nothing is beyond repair if you've got a will and if you've got the right tools and quite a lot of money to spend on But it'll be less than £300. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But it's just she's got to find this person. Yeah. So stop writing to us and uh, go do that. Oh, <laughs> you're tough today. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe Jade is hoping we're going to come up with some clever wheeze where she just gets... Well, I know in where... Ireland you used to run a lovely cobbler's, Graham. Oh, yes. Do you still keep your hand in? Or the, your heel in, I should say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we have both died. No, um, I think Jade was hoping that we would give her some clever wheeze, which meant she didn't have to fix the boot and her friend would never find out and the friend wouldn't hate her. But I'm afraid to tell you, Jade, no. There, there is, is, no, there is there's music here and you are going to have to face it. Yes. But also you must tell her this. You must say, this terrible thing happened. I was doing the lambada and dancing the salsa and the heel snapped off. They are very old, so really they're not worth anything. Uh, but however, I am getting it sorted. I am sourcing through the help of the Virgin Radio listeners <laughs> and the entire nation a specialist cobbler who will make the boots as good as new. And if all else fails, just send them to me and I'll do it. Yeah, with your chewing gum. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Jade, uh, you are just going to have to do something. 
You can't just ignore First, this. First, you have to... T- it, it will make... You will sleep better if you tell your friend that this is what happened. But you Before give her, the repair? No, no, before the repair, because who knows how long that's going to take. But you have to do the proviso of, I am getting it fixed. I'm really sorry this happened, but fear not, there will be somebody out there in the ether on the internet that knows how to fix a heel back on a boot. Well, at least I would say don't tell her until at least you have a specific cobbler. Like, don't just give a vague... Oh, oh, yeah, I will sort it. If you're going to tell her, tell her, but I have sourced this amazing cobbler who says he can make it exactly the way it was. Don't you worry about this. I'm so embarrassed about this. Yeah, but Jade, you do have to fess up. Yeah. Or sue your friends who had the wedding for the uneven floor. Yeah. Yeah. And say when the heel broke, you broke your leg as well. Yeah, and claim the insurance and then... Uh, and then yeah. buy new boots. Yeah, and again, my favourite responders will be getting the Waitrose American-style blueberry pancakes. There's four of them made from buttermilk. Delicious with vanilla ice cream. Uh, right, Danielle in West Sussex. Jade, honesty is the best policy and she will respect your honesty. After she stopped being furious... Uh, uh, find someone on your local Facebook page. There will be someone out there who can fix it. Keep it simple and honest. Rosie from East Anglia has a very good point. She says, yeah, but how does she know the shoes are real? There are so many fakes out there. Yeah, these could be like some old 20 quid knockoffs. So maybe, actually, if you confess to your friend, she'll go, oh, don't worry about them. <laughs> they cost nothing. I don't. Uh, you never know. Carol in Long Eaton. Jade. It's a broken heel, not a broken friendship yet. This is good, isn't it? This is this is we could we could print this on t-shirts. This is some good advice. Be honest with your friend about the accident and give her the option of you paying for them to be repaired or some other form of compensation. Ooh. I don't think we don't want to go to that, down that route. Uh, Tina and Lester, there's bound to be someone with the same old pair of Marc Jacobs that you can buy. Just Google it. The problem is solved. Tell the friend that you may even say, don't worry about it. They were old and they never liked them anyway. Tina's quite a casual liver, isn't she? She's like, eh, there'll be another old pair of boots out there. Get them. Yeah. All right. What, your dog's dead? Oh, there's a dog. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Yvonne and Thrapston. I have recently had two pairs of boots that are over 20 years old rehealed by a high street cobbler. So it is possible. Don't give up. Oh, Yvonne. <laughs> the inspirational talk. Very good. Uh, who is going to get the Waitrose American style blueberry pancakes? I'm going to give them to Carol in Long Eaton for It's a Broken Heel, Not a Broken Friendship. Because that's beautiful. Uh, that's words to live by. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, uh, my first guest of the day is here, Giovanna Fletcher. Uh, she, sorry. Uh, she stars in uh, Wish You Were Dead. It's on a UK tour. It started this Thursday in Bromley and goes right along uh, till the 29th of July. That You leave at the end of April, is it? I do, and then Katie McGlynn takes over. That's okay. right. Yeah, so, so I've got the first just, 10 weeks. So you've just kicked off this week in Bromley. Yeah. So you, are, you, are you leaving here and going to do two shows today? Or I just... sure am. I'm going straight into notes, straight into rehearsals, and then a two-show day. Yeah, and the show, there's so much packed into this two hours. You know, it starts off one way and then it ends in a completely other. Um, it's full of everything, a bit of humour, it's intense, um, full of tension. Uh, so it's a right ride. So but by the good, end of it, I need to shake old, it off. It's a good old-fashioned murder mystery. 
Mm, yes. Although, so I don't, think don't, audiences... Don't tell me it's not. Well, the audiences... <laughs> no, nobody dies. <laughs> well, the audiences are used to seeing Roy J, like Roy, uh, Roy Grace when he's on a crime scene. But this is him and Cleo, his wife, I play his wife, off on holiday. So they're off on holiday, they've booked a nice place in France, a chambre d'hôte, which is, you know, basically where you live in someone's home yeah. and uh, they treat you nicely like a posh Airbnb. <laughs> uh, so they think it's going to be absolutely amazing and it's their time to be away from the morgue, away from all the darkness that exists in both of their worlds because Cleo's a pathologist. And um, and actually it turns out to be a holiday that isn't quite what they were expecting and then, you know, things happen, yeah. shall we say. People stop living. <laughs> It's what I'm guessing. <laughs> um, and this is you, and it's uh, George Rainsford is mm. is playing Roy Grace, yeah. uh, off of uh, Call the Midwife and yeah. things. And, and things. And, but what we're saying while well, the record was on, so Peter James. Did he adapt this play from a book? Sean McKenna has. So oh, someone he? else. So, uh, and I think that's really, really interesting. First of all, I think it's interesting that Peter James, his stories live in so many different realms. So you've got Grace on ITV, which is the TV like dramatization of it. Then you've got the stage productions as well. Um, but uh, I think it's a really good thing when someone who writes books so prolifically goes and now I'm going to hand it to you yeah. to adapt it into a form- format that you know and understand um, yeah Peter's been in uh, a couple of times this week and it's been really great seeing he's his, lovely isn't he's he he's so lovely and his wife is so lovely as well I mean you know, I write books and I think it's such a, a a sensible thing of his to kind of say this is my baby but I I understand that you know what you're doing and I and I trust you in that to, to Sean uh, who adapted it um, and it's good for us to know that he's happy with what we're doing because when they're his characters they're his baby you know and we're just being trusted to to kind of turn them into what we see as you know fully formed characters who are just enjoying a nice holiday to begin with and on Thursday night in Bromley I mean that is in at the deep end because presumably it was rehearsal room a bit of tech and then boom here's an audience well and we started on a matinee so you've got a two-show day to start it off. I know, I know. So we had the dress rehearsal on Wednesday night, notes on uh, Thursday morning, a bit of, you know, last-minute working, and then kick-started with a bang on a matinee. So we did the one and the two straight, you know, straight away. And actually, I think that was really, really beneficial because the first show, you've got the adrenaline going, you know. I get a bit of word Tourette sometimes where different words that mean the same thing come out. You're like, what on earth is going on? Um, but then you learn from that and then you go into the second performance straight away with what you've learned. So it was actually really, really thrilling. Scary to look at it written down on a piece of paper. Yes. But actually doing it, it was it was really, really good. And also some of those matinee audiences in the regions, no offence, but... Uh... <laughs> What are you about to say, Graham? Well, no, I just remember there's a slight sense that sometimes they forget they're not watching television. There's a, there's a bit of talking. Oh, I don't like her. I haven't had that yet. Although last night, actually, so I do treks for Copperfield, the breast cancer awareness charity. Um, and so we head out every uh, twice a year now uh, and we go around the country and some of my group from Pembrokeshire were there. So at the curtain call, they were having a good old shouting session of like shouting out my name. And the rest of the cast were like, who are they? They're like, yeah, they're with me. <laughs> they're, they're, they're mine. Yeah, that's my fan club. <laughs> <laughs> they're in. Yeah. And so this is a proper kind of, oh, you're a week in each place and you're 
Yeah. Good. And so how, what is, have you done that before? No, I've never done that before. So I've done West End. I've done uh, Backbeat in Glasgow. We, we were there for six weeks, so staying in one place. Um, but, but this is my first time of going around. So I've done like book tours and things like that where you go yeah. like a night or two. But this is very, very different. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting to each place and understanding it a little more, you know, seeing what the local coffee shop's like and where people shop and bits like that. I've done a real mixture. I, I can tell of- this is early in the tour. <laughs> Do you think by 10, week 10, I'm just the, like, the, I don't care about your coffee yeah, shop. The, the optimism I've got. To, no, it'll be nice. Well, no, because no, I've got to yeah. write the next book. So it doesn't oh, even, you know. So oh, okay, I, so you um, do get your days. You can, you, yeah, actually, I've got my that's days. a good, actually, it is good. And also because you've got three. Um, three boys. Three yeah, boys. Eight, seven and four. So actually, this is good. A bit of R&R. But also <laughs> good to combine the writing with this. Exactly. Because, yeah. And it feels like when I'm away, I'll be able to properly utilise that time. And then when I get back, I can be full on mum mode. And, you know, well, actually, Tom's picking up chickens today. Uh, we're rescuing some chickens. He's been building a chicken run all week. Uh, so it's three boys and six chickens I'm, I'm actually going to be coming home to at the end of the run. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you might extend. Uh, who, who, who's taking over? Yeah. Katie she, McGlynn, yeah, she, she may not, no. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm, I'm good. I'll do another few weeks. And what's happening while, with your podcast while you're on tour? Are you doing that as well? Yeah, so I've banked a load, but also I'm going to be recording some remotely while I'm away, um, which, you know, COVID times, we all, we all know how things work now in terms of doing stuff, stuff remotely. And I think I was so worried uh, when we started doing that, but it works. It does, you know. It's, so, it's so, so this is Happy Mom, Happy Mom. Happy baby. Yeah. So, so the podcast. I want to write the podcast. Came after the book, or the book was no. The yeah, the book was first. So I was already writing fiction, and then when I was on tour for that, um, you know, the mum stuff just kept coming up, and people just kept saying, you know, would you ever write a book? And I just thought, there's so many books out there that tell you how to be the perfect mum and how to do it right. And actually, I read all of them, and they just confused me because what I worked out not soon enough is that you have to just trust your instincts and you have to do what you think is right. Uh, And I think it was just really confusing. So in the end, I thought, well, if I am going to write about motherhood, what is my take on it and what can I give it? So I just gave a really honest account. The book tour for that was incredible. We did events in different places. It was really emotional, really cathartic. Just felt like loads of people together completely understanding everything um, and I just didn't want that conversation to finish because we know what it's like you know whether it's a play a book a film whatever they have their moments and then time goes on but it felt yeah. like a really important conversation and maternal mental health is something that I'm really really passionate about as well and I just didn't want it to end so I started the podcast but it's a it's a different kettle of fish because when I'm sharing honestly that's one thing but I'm asking other people to come on and share their lives in a really honest way but I, yeah they have and I've just been completely blown away by the things that they've shared from so many different topics whether that's IVF baby loss you know miscarriage fertility um anger as a parent you know how you deal with that and uh, so I have I, I felt really privileged to to be able to sit in that spot and provide that space where people feel like they can just share and, and as, as someone who runs a chat show you know booking guests is is always a challenge how the hell did you get the princess of wales <laughs> How did Kate rock up? I mean, up? yeah, that was quite a big one, wasn't it? Yes, quite um, a good, good catch. You should have seen the Royal Reporters. The day that I, I was at the... Where was I? We were at Kensington Palace and we gave um, like a preview of, of the podcast so that they could, you know, write about it in the papers that weekend so they could get ahead. But they weren't being sent the podcast. They were just there to listen, like a listen party. And they're scribbling away. Uh, and then when she starts talking about more personal things, like hypnobirthing, about leaving the hospital, the scribbling, you've got, you know, middle-aged <laughs> men going, hypno what? 
what is that? What is that? Just a panic that they might miss the words that she was saying. And there was definitely an air of, how did she get her? You know, out of all the royal reporters that, you know, just... And how did it happen? Time. Well, she was launching uh, her five big questions that have now turned into her big Shaping Us campaign that she's got now. So about three years ago, she was launching this nationwide survey, which over half a million people got involved with, which was just, I think it's the biggest survey of its kind ever done in this country. Um, And she just wanted help launching it. So originally, we were going to have some experts on talking about why it was important, you know, the the idea of it takes a village to raise children and things like that. Um, And cheekily in that session, because I'd written emails in before, went, I wonder if she's free and, you know, had the polite no. Um, But in that meeting, I just thought, I'm going to just put it out there. And so uh, the question was asked, would, you know, would Kate like to talk for like 10 minutes? They're like, oh, we're not sure. She doesn't really do that kind of thing because she didn't then. And then we met um, at the big launch, uh, had a really interesting five-minute private conversation, then went into this big chat. I think in that private conversation, we talked about maternal mental health and the realities of that. We talked about how feral our kids were and are. Um, And then we went into this other chat. And the next thing I know, we're being given 45 minutes with her. But the actual chat was an hour and a half, um, which was just lovely to know that she felt comfortable enough to have that chat. But actually, it was Prince William. Um, He was there in the room when she was being briefed um, because she was being asked if she wanted to talk about hypnobirthing and all this stuff. And he just said, talk, just talk and be open and honest, because at the end of it, if you don't want that stuff added in, we can just get them to edit it out, which was the best thing ever. You know, I thought when I first I'm got... I'm Prince William. <laughs> well, no, when they first started saying that, I thought the end of the sentence was, oh, then we can just chop her head off, you know, just <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it felt it felt good knowing that I think for her to have his blessing to just share, you know, and, uh, and that's helped so many people, I think, you know, having someone like her talk about mum guilt and all the things yeah. that so many of us experience. But, uh, you know, my big thing with happening my babies it doesn't matter who you are what you have or what you do there's so many things that are universal in motherhood in parenthood um and the more we talk about it and share the less that has a hold over us now the big question is yes are kate and william coming to see wish you were dead <laughs> book now to avoid actually norwich yeah they're yeah they've got an old palace out there somewhere haven't they, they yeah. Do, yeah yeah they they might be coming we're going there. to richmond at the end of the tour as well so maybe that's a little bit closer yeah. i've got bright brighton's brighton, a nice little brighton, day at the sea the, yeah they love kate loves brighton yeah <laughs> yeah edinburgh they can go to where they first met there oh, we go oh, love yeah. book now to see the play and maybe have a royal sighting <laughs> Maltesers by royal command. (laughs) (laughs) It'll probably happen now. I mean, it probably will. It probably will. I love, I love what you've done with your life. That you, you know, that you were an actor and you kind of went, no, I can do other things and I can, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to take charge of my own life. Well, I was just bored of waiting for the phone to ring to yeah. be honest and and you know I did loads of different jobs I worked in a florist I worked in an off license I worked in a, a bar uh, at a bar in a gym I worked um you know doing so many I worked chaperoning kids uh, in theatres and I just felt like I, I wanted to do something that um fulfilled me in, and you know my creativity so I started writing not making any not, not having a book deal not knowing where it was going to go um but uh yeah I had a lot of no's and then Penguin finally said Yes. Well, um, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you and very much. Good luck with the tour. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Uh, it's Wish You Were Dead. You can get tickets and information at peterjamesalloneword.com.
com. I think is it dot com. Yes, it is. PeterJames.com. Uh, Giovanna Fletcher, thank you so much for coming in to see thank us. Thank you. And uh, now Bromley awaits. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> yeah. Taxi, Bromley driver. <laughs> Have a lovely time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Joined now by my second guest of the day, a wildlife presenter, Gordon Buchanan, who's back on the road. 30 years in the wild, anniversary tour. I was saying earlier, in my head, you were like one of the new boys, and apparently 30 years. No, <laughs> I know. I kind of went from being sort of the breath of fresh air to being an old fart really quickly at some point in the last 30 years. And so this tour is by popular demand, because you did it, was it last year? Yeah. It was a total sellout. So I should rename it because it should be 31 years in a while. But I did it last year, and it was great. And, it, and yeah, lots and lots of people came along, so I'm... I'm doing it again, and yeah. more more dates this time. So I think it's pretty much covering the whole of the whole of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, well, you kick off uh, close to home. Oh, you're up in Dundee. Well, not that close to home. Starting in Dundee on March the 14th, and then you're going all around the country till you get to Ilkley uh, on April. Oh no, no, Ilkley's not the end. There's more. I turn over the page. Oh, wow! Um, I thought Ilkley was the last one. Oh, is it actually? No, no, it's no, not. It is, it is the last one. It is. Yeah, the, the next page. Yes, yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, tickets and information are at Gordon. Dash Buchanan.co.uk. Do you call one. it a dash or is it? I call it. I call it a dash. A, a dash. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an underline. But people so, famously get my name first name wrong, so but it's definitely it's definitely Gordon, not Simon, George, Douglas, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> yeah, none of those. <laughs> Gordon Buchanan. So I'm interested in this. So 30 years, well, 31 years now. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you uh, get a foot in the door? Yeah. Well, I was a. a at school, wasting my time away, not concentrating, just kind of wanted to be outside the whole time. And when I got to about the age of 16, I thought, actually, hang on, I'm going to have to find something to do with my life. And I didn't know what that would be. And I'd messed around so much at school that I wasn't going to leave with any qualifications <laughs> that were of, of any worth. But then I, I met a wildlife cameraman and I thought that just sounded like the most amazing job in the world and kind of slightly manipulated him and he offered me a job yeah for a year and a half in Sierra Leone when I was 17 so I just packed in school and off I went I mean parents would be listening to this thinking what <laughs> that's amazing so you you just turned 17 and you're a year and a half in Sierra yeah. Leone what were you filming um a bit of everything it was sort of mostly mostly primates it was an island in the middle of middle of a river completely uninhabited apart from sort of hundreds of different monkey species but chimpanzees and sort of lots of weird kind of wonderful animals that back then had never had oh. never been filmed before i mean that just sounds like the dream job uh, you no wonder you fell in love with it and then did you just learn all as you were going along you know because i guess as a cameraman you're there for hours you are literally observing these animals yeah well it's do you know what i spent Four years working with Nick as his assistant and when I sort of went off and set up a own, I was like yeah here we go but I realised I actually hadn't really learned that much I hadn't paid that much <laughs> attention so I bought a camera at great cost and I didn't really know what I was doing so I had another five years of, of actually trying to learn how to how to do the job But I mean is it as simple as patience or are there, are there other kind of things you have to have. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's more about optimism because sort of, I'm not a particularly <laughs> patient person, but if you use the sort of knowledge and experience you have of certain animals, you, you put yourself in the right place and it, and you just have to wait for the right time. But if, you know, I've been, there's been occasions, I was sat up a tree one time for three days waiting for some elephants that I knew wasn't going to come, they weren't going to come along. So three days up a tree waiting for elephants when you know they're not going to, that was, yeah, 
And I also no the patience. Elephant. It's only an elephant. We've all seen them. <laughs> you get them on the ground. <laughs> And when did you step in front of the camera? Um, it was, I suppose, kind of early 2000s. There was a big kind of push for with the BBC to get regional voices. Um, step forward, and, and Gordon actually, Buchanan. Funnily, funnily enough, they, they were, there's an Irish guy, but he's he's busy, so they asked me if I'd do some presenting. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, it's not the way that I wanted my career to go. And I still, I still love filming. I love being at the backside of the camera, but I, I do enjoy. I can enjoy the sort of that way of communicating, I suppose, and sort of conveying those those experiences. And in the in the show, are you do you show kind of footage and then talk about how you got those shots, that kind of thing? Um, we've got a live elephant, we've got chimpanzees, we've got monkeys on stage. No, none of that. Um, it's all is clips, videos. Well, that's where I'm getting them all from. Um, no, it's kind of I suppose the highs and lows of thirty years of. In for me, the best job in in the world. So there's lots. There's always something to look at. Sort of not just me. There's always something on the screen, whether it's clips or images. And and because I did it last year, it's quite a kind of um, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I thought if anything that I say or show, if it doesn't get an emotional response, it's coming out. So it it will be a kind of emotional roller coaster. Sort of gasps, cheers, tears. Yeah. Sorrow. And, and for you. You know, there must be looking back over the thirty years. It must have been weird because there must have been things you forgot, and you kind of think, "How did I forget that? That was an amazing moment." Yeah, well, it's kind of, I think putting the talk together is really hard because you're looking back over thirty years of, you know, being in some crazy places and working with really rare animals and sort of amazing opportunities. And it's sort of every now and again, I've had a note to my. Um, phone. I was like, right, okay, yeah. What about what about that time I was told I'd need to buy an elephant? It was like filming tigers, and I thought, actually, no, that's that's too difficult. So it was a bit too random. Sort of like, yeah, that time I nearly bought an elephant. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's kind of a lot to sort of pack into it. But it's for me, it's been it's been really lovely because it's, you know life goes on and you kind of move on to the next thing, and it's a really nice opportunity to look back at the last thirty years and sort of actually make those connections and join the dots. Okay, that happened, then that happened, and yeah. I made that decision, and it all kind of yeah, thirty years later, I'm still still doing it. And uh, and what does the future hold in your head do you kind of think right I haven't seen them I haven't filmed that do you have a, a bucket list yeah I don't have a bucket list but it, it's kind of when I think about what I would like to do it's rarely somewhere new or a new animal I quite I quite like to go back and film things that I've filmed in the past because technology has changed so much that you know the way that we filmed things 20 years ago is sort of you know things that were impossible 20 years ago are now possible so yeah now I've got I can't actually say anything about it but it's my dream job for the last 20 years and we've just got the green light on it so that's what I'll be doing and uh, I won't press you <laughs> uh, but when you talk about technology can film things now like what like like what or what has changed like is it the lenses is it what what is it um I suppose something like 30 years ago like hardly there was no footage of of snow leopards and now you know there's people got loads of shots on their camera phones but <laughs> I think camera traps is one thing so you can put a camera up on a mountain and leave it for months and months and months there's thermal imaging cameras and image intensifiers and you know uh, those cameras that you can film all through the night there's microscopic cameras and sort of nanotechnology so practically everything is filmable now whether it lives on the highest mountains and the depths of the deepest deepest oceans so yeah kind of back when i started it was literally a 16 millimeter film camera that you had to 
film dawn till dusk and it was, it was you couldn't film after dark and most animals on the planet kind of do the most interesting things after dark isn't that including the truth? humans yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's it like in that kind of community of wildlife presenters is it very competitive you know if you suddenly say you're going to do your your snow dog program and somebody's going no actually i've just filmed the snow dogs i mean or do you get there and somebody goes oh yeah the so-and-so was just here yeah david attenborough's very envious of the things <laughs> i get to do so he's <laughs> no i think there's a good i think the kind of wildlife presenters at the moment everybody's got their own sort of thing so i don't think there's kind of any real competition i mean i do i do sort of i'm green with envy when anyone with a sort of cameraman, camerawoman, producer, presenter that's somewhere that I'd really love to be. A friend just texted and he's like, I'm in Japan sort of in, in Hokkaido filming bears. I thought I'd love to I'd love to go there. But yeah, I'm quite happy. What sort to of do. bears are those? Um they're like um Himalayan black bears. It's like or Asiatic black bears. They look like the North American black bears, but they're kind of they live in Japan and sort of that part of Southeast Asia. Oh wow. Yeah there you go. I had no idea. Yeah, so you, there's, you, yeah. There's a YouTube clip of someone being chased by one um like quite aggressively i think it was yeah it looked as if it was going to eat him but okay he he booted it (laughs) oh good was it your friend (laughs) you you didn't feel so bad the bear was my friend not him Um, and here's the thing Uh, you mentioned david attenborough there he is obviously you know the king of this world what's going to happen do you think david attenborough i mean clearly he's not going to retire but is he going to anoint a successor what's going to happen do you think well do you know i suppose he was only really getting started at the age that i'm at now and he's still he's still going strong but you know there's the 20 years ago said who's going to take over from sir david but you know it's a bit like i've said this before but it's a bit like if the, if somebody pinched the mona lisa off the wall in the in the louvre what would they put in that place and they wouldn't put they'd probably just leave an empty spot on the wall and i think with david attenborough because he is so extraordinary that there's no no one person is going to be able to take his his place so he's quite a unique yeah unique human being and certainly a unique broadcaster well not not that unique obviously well he's quite unique Um, (laughs) i i I hope not to be working at 90. (laughs) he is not is he 90. yeah i think he's he's well into his 90s now yeah Yeah. and you know and they're still dropping him at the top of mountains and things kind of going now you talk to the camera and we'll fly away (laughs) it's it's extraordinary yeah i mean if i could aspire to sort of anything I think to still, because I still, you know, I've got no plans to retire. I wouldn't want to give up my job. But if I could be doing this at, at 90, that would be that'd be pretty cool. Would it? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Or depressing. <laughs> uh, Gordon Buchanan, thank you so much for coming to see us. It's called 30 Years of the Wild, the anniversary tour. He's touring all over the country, telling the story of his career uh, with wildlife. Uh, take care now. Stay right where you are. There's plenty more to come including another round of Word Up. And I was speaking to Jade Adams about the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, which is coming to London. But first, let's see what Martha's got in her trolley today. Yes, she's parallel parked the trolley and (laughs) uh, she's going to make something for us. Uh, What have you made? It smells delicious. Oh, thank you very much. This is pan-fried gnocchi with some cavolo nero and lemon and chilli pan gratto. Doesn't that sound fancy? It does. It sounds so <laughs> fancy. I feel like I'm in a restaurant. <laughs> uh, Cavallo Nero. Yes. Is that the same as kale? No. It, it's very. It's in the same family as kale. It's just okay. a particular variety, and it's got really kind of deep, dark green leaves, as opposed to kind of the kind of more bright 
regular yeah. kale. But it's, it's more digestible than kale, isn't it? I think so. It's a little bit thicker and the leaves are a bit more kind of velvety. They're, they look really good in this kind of dish. They're so kind of dark and ominous. Ooh. <laughs> ominous scale. Ominous. Gloomy. Glo- <laughs> gloomy leaves. And uh, you know, how, how, how deep are we going here? Did you make your own gnocchi? So I did make my own gnocchi, but I started with some leftover mashed potato. Or some Waitrose mashed potato. Okay. So it's a good recipe for... It's a recipe by Ellie Pear. And oh, she my favourite drag queen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she writes a column every week for Waitrose Weekend, which is about using up leftovers and turning them into something else. So I've used her recipe this week. It is all about leftover mashed potato. So it's got... This is the kind of star idea. Then there's three other ones underneath in the paper. You know, I'm already thinking I might do this because uh, I often, when I mash potato, I do make too many. Well, you, everyone makes too many because there's no point point making putting all that effort into making mash to just make enough for two people is not no because it looks a bit mean as well it looks really mean (laughs) enough for two people exactly it's the same with scrambled eggs it's just the kind of thing that just goes into nothing when you cook it so always make lots of mash save it and then turn it into something like this a pan fried knocker with the cavallo nero and lemon and chili pan grat pan is that is that breadcrumbs? It is crispy breadcrumbs. So this sounds really fancy. Yeah, I love, actually, yeah. actually, yeah. it's quite low cost. It's mashed potato with cabbage and breadcrumbs. <laughs> Shh! This is the way you phrase it when you want it to sound like it's going to pack a punch. Uh, well, I'm excited to try it. Uh, let's eat it. The verdict is in. Uh, yes, the pan fried gnocchi does pack a punch. It. I, I have to say, I think the star of this dish is that lemon and chilli pan gratto. Toto, toto. It really, the zing is gorgeous. You've got the kind of comfort of the gnocchi, which, you know, is quite a heavy, wintry thing. And then the kind of springy zip of the the lemon and chilli. Gorgeous. Uh, Okay, so we've got some leftover mashed potato. What do we do with it? So we're actually going to start with the pangratato or the pangrato. Okay. We are going to, you want just dry breadcrumbs, or you could use fresh ones if you have those. Just let them go a little bit crispy before you try Mm -hmm. cooking them. We are literally just going to put them into a pan with some olive oil, fry for one to two minutes until the breadcrumbs are nice and golden, Mm -hmm. then take it off the heat and add in a teaspoon of flaked sea salt, the zest of a lemon and some chilli flakes. Mix that all together and then leave that to cool down. And this is, as you say, it cuts through the kind of fattiness and all of those other heavy flavours and it will keep in a little jar for a long time. So this is perfect on top of loads of different pastas, all sorts of dishes. Or so even in a salad. It would be yeah. quite nice just through a salad. It would be lovely. Yeah. Make it in bulk. It's so cheap and so delicious. So I would definitely recommend doing that. And then we're going to start on the gnocchi. Okay. So take your mashed potato. And if you haven't got mashed potato to hand, you can buy it in the Waitrose freezer section. And it's really good quality mashed potato with literally just milk and butter added to it. So you just want to take your mashed potato, adding into that an egg and some flour and mixing until we get a nice soft dough. Then we're rolling into long thin sausages cutting into knocky shaped pieces and then you want to roll them down the back of a floured fork to make the little groovy take oh, them groovy you do that? oh <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> you might think oh that's a step that's not quite worth doing but it makes that when you come to crisp them you get those lovely little ridges and they cling onto the sauce a little bit better so it's worth worth attempting the floured fork roll okay <laughs> so you put the the egg the flour the potato da, 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 
roll that down on your fork and you've got your little gnocchi, then what do you do with them? Then uh, the thing I love about gnocchi is it t- is cooked so quickly. So you want to just stick this into a pan of boiling salted water, two to three minutes. They'll float to the top when they're ready, which again is nice. It tells you, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to make Get any... me out of here! <laughs> you don't have to make any educated guesses with this one. So <laughs> you take them out once they float, set them to one side, then we're going to melt some butter in a separate frying pan when that starts to go nutty and toasty and golden brown we're going to add the gnocchi back in toss it till it becomes crispy and then the cavolo nero goes in right at the end it literally just needs to hit the butter and it will wilt it and be perfect for you to eat plate it up sprinkle with your crispy breadcrumbs wow if you use shop-bought gnocchi as well which i do often it's a really good staple this recipe would literally take you about seven minutes to make um, but honestly, it's it's got so much flavour. It really kind of like, you know, punches above its whatever, whatever that phrase is. Uh, it, you know, it's greater than the sum of its parts. It is. It absolutely yes. is. If you just took a potato and a lemon and a chilli and said, what are you going to make with that? You wouldn't expect this. Uh, no, seriously, that is well done, uh, Ellie Pear. Uh, you know, her cabaret life and now this cooking career. It's amazing. Uh, if you want to get that recipe, you can. Just go to the Graham Norton with Waitrose hub on the Waitrose website. It's waitrose.com slash show chef and you can get this recipe and indeed all the recipes that you hear Martha talk about on the show. You could also check out the visuals uh, at our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Um, uh, Top marks today. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Now, uh, tomorrow are we going, are we going topical? Are we going Oh, we, of course we're going topical. <laughs> Tomorrow it's Pancake Day. Woo-hoo! For us. Not for everyone else, but for us it's Pancake Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for us. No, no one else can have them. <laughs> me, we're going to lock the studio. It's just you and me in here <laughs> shoveling pancakes. down pancakes. <laughs> Gorgeous. Well, I look forward to that. Me Thanks too. a lot, Martha. Take care now. Martha. She is here. Yes, she is. <laughs> uh, with a groaning trolley of pancakes. <laughs> uh, two sorts of pancakes. What is they, Martha? Yes, not just one, but two for Pancake Day. We've got the classic English pancake, which I'm sure people will be whipping up on Tuesday. And then also a stack of fluffy buttermilk, kind of American-style pancakes. I'm afraid I've already nicked a piece of bacon <laughs> off the top of them. Couldn't, couldn't wait for I the middle wait. song. Yeah. <laughs> Coldplay be damned. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Uh, so the difference is, I mean, it's not just thickness. I mean, the the American pancakes are like, you know, like almost like drop scones, like big drop scones. Absolutely, absolutely. Some people think, oh, if I just add a little more flour to my English pancake recipe, I can make the fat ones, but they'll be a little tough and rubbery if you go down that route. You need a bit of buttermilk, some raising agents. They're a completely different recipe, just as straightforward, but a different kind of recipe. And the uh, the English ones, the, the more traditional kind of... Yes. Uh, Crepey? Are they the same yeah. as crepe? The same I feel as like the French would get a bit offended if we referred to our English pancakes as crepes because they're normally a little thicker than the okay. than the fanciful crepe. But they do yes, look. Crepe yours style. look very thin. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, you've cooked them with brown butter. Is that right? <laughs> yes, these are yeah brown butter. What is pancakes. brown butter? It is when you take regular butter, heat it up, and then as it heats and kind of melts, the milk solids, if you heat it for long enough, will separate out of the from the fat, and then they will brown. So they brown almost caramelising and turning it a little bit nutty, and it works really well in. Different baked goods, really good in pancakes, and it doesn't take very long. It's about five minutes to 
get the browning happening. And a bit of that goes into the batter and a little bit into the sauce as well. And where do you stand with, uh, you know, sweet and savoury pancakes? Like this, the, those English pancakes, would you make them savoury? Yeah, absolutely. So they've not got any sugar in. They're a really simple recipe, just three ingredients. And then you can do sweet and savoury. I love a savoury pancake. Mm. <laughs> you look unconvinced about no, a no. savoury pancake. I remember there used to be a place called Asterix on the King's Road. It was like a, uh, but it was a kind of creperie. Okay. Uh, but they would do all sorts of pancakes. Uh, the entire menu was pancakes. Oh, that's was, what Pancake Day should be. And there was a very nice one with <laughs> spinach and uh, chicken livers. Oh, okay. It was gorgeous. Wow, that sounds great. <laughs> I on, wasn't expecting con- you to say chicken livers. Unconvinced. <laughs> unconvinced, Martha. I thought you were going to say salmon or something, and then he said chicken livers. I was like, a bit thrown, but I'm sure I could, I'm imagining it, and I can imagine that would taste pretty good. Yeah, no, I knew someone who worked there, so I used to go there and get a discount. Oh, just swallowing the last bite. <laughs> I now feel like I'm going to, everything I touch, I'm going to stick to. <laughs> yeah. Syrup, I'm, butter. I'm covered in syrup. <laughs> My me and my beard has kind of like all mushed into a weird thing. <laughs> little little pieces of pancake. It was a bit mean of me in hindsight to make you try and eat two different types of pancakes in one mm, song. Not mean at all. Uh, delicious. Uh, so which one should we start with, the American or the British? Let's start with the American. Okay. Start with the American because as you and actually, were... can I just say, uh, do. often they can be quite stodgy. You know, when you go to America and you have pancakes in like a diner. Yeah. They're like, how do people eat these? <laughs> these are really light and fluffy and gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I think the key to getting them super light is all in the cooking. So it's when people often will leave the pancakes to cook all the way through and then flip them. But you want to cook them until they're just bubbling on top, the butter, and then do the flip whilst it still looks quite wet on the top because then you'll get an even little, even cook from both sides. Gotcha. Um, so to make these, the ingredients for pancakes are so simple. That's why I love Pancake Day, because you can do fun toppings, because the actual base recipe is so straightforward. So we're just going to mix together some plain flour, a little bit of caster sugar, and then baking powder and bicarbonate soda in a bowl. Then we're going to add into that egg, buttermilk, which you can buy in a little tub in Waitrose, or you can make using milk and a little bit of lemon juice to acidify it. That goes in, and a little bit of melted butter, and that's your pancake batter done. You want to cook it as quickly as you can after making it with this one. The English one, that can stand for ages, but the American one you want to cook as soon as you've mixed it because those raising agents start to work their magic. Then you just want to do little circles in a hot pan, cook them for a couple of minutes on each side until they're nice and golden brown. Stack them up, bit of crispy bacon, bit of Canadian maple syrup. So that's all that is. That's just maple syrup on top there. and Yeah. Oh, just, wow. Just a bit of maple syrup on top. It's a really nice one. It's their medium number two, waitress number one. That's very complicated. They do two kinds of maple syrup. But this one's really kind of rich in flavour and it soaks in really nice. Really gorgeous. And, and the bacon. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice crispy bacon. We head to uh, Britain now. Yes. <laughs> uh, how are we making these? So these even simpler. So, oh, this is your top tip. This is this is a top tip. This is how I always remember to make pancake, how to make pancakes on Pancake Day. So it's one, two, three. 100 grams of flour, two eggs, 300 millilitres of milk. That's all you need. You want to mix you that You just together. need to remember which is the one and which is the two. <laughs> that is was the question. Was it one thing of milk? Was it two, three, four, three eggs? I've not figured out a way to remember how to, remember how to differentiate them, but... You know, I feel like if you started with 300 grams of flour, you'd quickly realise this is not going to work. 
So basically, you want to put your eggs in the bowl first, give them a mix, then add your flour, mix until you get a really thick paste, and then the milk goes in last. And that should help you not to get any lumps. If you jump it all in together, you'll end up with a slightly lumpy batter. So you do it in that order. You don't want that. You don't. Then give it a good whisk. And then when you're cooking the pancakes, be kind to yourself. The first pancake is always a flop. <laughs> Something about yeah. the heat of the pan and the fact that it's not got the right seasoning, if you like, it's not got the butter and the oil. The first one, just eat that one, gobble that one down yourself in the kitchen. Okay, fair enough. And then do all the rest and then put your favourite toppings on. I've done this butterscotch sauce, which is really simple, a bit of butter, dark brown sugar, vanilla extract and cream. Melt that in a pan with a bit of sea salt until it's saucy. Mm-hmm. And then that gets drizzled <laughs> over the top. <laughs> but if you want to go with lemon and sugar, the classic or Nutella or whatever, Whatever people like on their pancakes, it's a free-for-all. But tell me this, what do you put in the pan? Is it just oil or do you put a mixture of oil and butter? I put a little bit of butter and then I wipe the pan out so it's just like the tiniest residue of butter rather than having it swimming in the oil or the butter that you choose because you don't want it to... They're so thin that it will absorb right into the pancake and it could be a bit greasy if you don't withdraw. Do you toss or flip? I I tend to go for a flip if it's just... Oh, oh, these are the same word. Well, I was well, no. to... <laughs> uh, a, a toss is a the toss thing where you, where you... you, you go, woohee! Oh, okay. And then a flip would be some sort of spatula, oh, some okay. sort of, you know... I yeah. was like, what do I do? I don't know. <laughs> if it's just me in the kitchen, I'll use the spatula because there's no one to impress. But if other people are watching, then I'm tossing it all the way. That's why she's called the show chef. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for those recipes, and why wouldn't you want them, uh, Martha's brown butter pancakes uh, with butterscotch sauce and pecans. Oh, yeah, did we get to the brown? Oh, yes, yes, we did get to the brown butter. And then there's the buttermilk pancakes, the American ones. Both those recipes can be found on the Waitrose Hub, uh, waitrose.com slash showchef. Uh, also there, you'll find all of Martha's recipes from the past. So if there's anything you're thinking, ooh, must find out how to make that, that's where you'll find that. You could also check out the visuals for those recipes on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, will you be doing this yourself at home on Tuesday? I think I will. Probably Go not. On. Probably not both. I'll probably pick one, but <laughs> yeah, probably the easier one. Probably the English ones. Are they... and maybe with some chicken liver and spinach. <gasps> well, <laughs> you've inspired yeah, me. Yeah, your husband would be delighted. <laughs> why? Why oh. did you make these? <laughs> you thought you were doing butterscotch and pecan. <laughs> I should bite into some chicken liver. <laughs> Delicious. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. I'm joined by Jade Adams, top comic Jade Adams. And Jade is taking part in the Just for Laughs uh, Festival. So this is a bit weird because it's, it's so we're at the O2. It's, I'm there too. We're, we're in the same You're thing. You're hosting. I'm hosting and I'll be introducing you to the stage. Have you done the O2 as a stand-up before? Well, I haven't done it as a stand-up, but back when I was 13 years old, I performed in there when it was called the Millennium Dome. And this is my big comeback. <laughs> <laughs> Were you doing? I mean, the Millennium Dome. I went there once as well. I mean, I didn't perform. I think I gave a medal to a swimmer or something. We had to do like a performance about Bristol, and I was this famous Bristolian woman whose name I've forgotten. I wanted it for you, but I can't find it in my head. <laughs> I was this famous Bristolian woman who saved a bunch of people from a uh, from a capsized ship in the middle of the Atlantic, and I had to perform in black clothing and look really serious. And it was all sponsored by McDonald's. Oh, lovely. 
they're still there as well. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> so it should be a really uh, camp all night. It's me, it's you, uh, Joe Lyson is there. If people like Drag Race, uh, Bianca Del Rio, she's there. Uh, Danny Beard, the last winner's there. Uh, as well as performances from allies uh, like Catherine Ryan, Phil Wang. Phil Wang. He loves that name. I'll say his name better on the night. <laughs> I'll practice. And music from Sam Ryder. What a show. I know. Because I know you're a big Eurovision fan. Massive Eurovision fan. Well, I got really got into it because they had, uh, I obviously that's when I last saw you. So I was hosting the podcast with Scott Mills and they had me in as a sort of novice who then um, discovered, well, I had to, you know, Scott was teaching me all about Eurovision, but then obviously it's made me um, now a huge fan because once you go there, Graham, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, I mean, it is, it was weird to see you because I, I met you kind of the beginning of the podcast yeah. and you were kind of you know a bit into it da, da, da. by the time your vision happened you had gone so deep I'd, <laughs> I'd gotten really like uh, I think I think probably a little bit too because everyone when you don't know Eurovision people sort of they treat it in a sort of jokey way to begin with which is kind of where I was with it and then actually when you realise the seriousness of what you're what you're you're getting to and when you get there and all the fans like there's it's actually like it's it's incredible it's one of the most and also that room that you go in I don't think I've ever been in such a big stage or a big room full of people before I'd never because it's the same room that's on that um, Will Ferrell film about Eurovision yes. which you're in yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's and I always say whenever I've watched it loads I love that film um, and um, I every time I'm on it I'm like I'm in that scene you can't see me but I'm in that crowd because <laughs> they filmed the whole thing in, in there in Tel Aviv yeah. yeah and then they they somehow matted in their set it was amazing. I don't know how, how they, they did, did it, but it's really clever. But it's the real Eurovision crowd. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Absolutely. I um no, it was a f- that was it was an incredible experience. That just getting to go along with you lot as well, and and being part of the whole thing. I remember just how hot it was, and I brought so many outfits that were totally inappropriate for <laughs> Tel Aviv. I just don't know how to dress fabulously and be in forty degree heat. I just don't oh, know. Okay, I was going to say, could you dress fabulously today? <laughs> no, I finished that sentence. I can dress fabulously, <laughs> but I can do it with let. Le- in and hats and coats and stuff. I just, I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to co- go on in a white bikini um, to um, Eurovision. <laughs> Wafting white bikini. Uh, what might you be sporting on the stage of the O2 on Friday the 3rd of March? Well, because there's loads of drag queens on. I don't know if you know this, Graham, but I started life off as an Adele tribute act. I was an Adele drag queen, basically. I didn't do stand-up comedy. I, I got into it via drag queens. I basically... Uh, joined London, came to London from Bristol and a load of drag queens that I looked a bit like Adele and I didn't want to get any more work serving smashed avocado on rye bread to children as young as four called Joffrey who can't have dairy anymore. So I just started dressing up as Adele for cash and it, it went out of control. And um, and basically variety is, the, is basically how I started doing comedy. And then I entered a comedy competition in 2014, which I won and got into stand-up that way. But, you know, this this is actually a big homecoming for me I did a show called Serious Black Jumper where I stripped it all away and I've actually been sort of quite demure over the last few years especially over lockdown and actually I'm coming out I've got a massive headdress it's huge I got have you a, really? yeah huge oh I can't <laughs> wait it's a really big headdress I've got a, an outfit being made by um, a designer called Julian <laughs> J Smith who actually did Bimini Moulashes um, beside the seaside look on, on Drag Race wow um, but I've known Julian for like years and years 
years and years and he and he does all of the drag queens clothes and and stuff so i'm having him design me something as well it's going to be really fabulous and i think i'm going to be, sing, be singing opera as well for the show oh well, i mean i'm now having costume anxiety because i'm thinking <laughs> oh i was just what gonna wear i was gonna pop on a shirt <laughs> <laughs> just pop a shirt on yeah but your shirts are really lovely and i bet they're, they're quite shiny you know I, I i am gonna i'm gonna up my game i'm gonna up my game thank you i'm glad we've had this conversation yeah i know it's so you know it's like turning up to a party and you didn't know everyone else was going to be dressed up to it it's kind of what's happened today with this outfit to be honest with you <laughs> You look great. Thanks. And talking of Adele, now here's the thing. So did I meet you before? No. You, well, were you... Because... So I did a thing for the BBC, An Evening with Adele. Yeah. And they did this thing that kind of went viral where there was a bunch of Adele impersonators, but Adele was one of them, but in disguise. Yeah. So you were or you weren't in that? I was there. But I ended up leaving. So I, we turn up, there's 10 other Adele impersonators in the Wimbledon Theatre and I'm there with them. And I didn't know much about what was going on. They sort of told us that it was like a, um, they were going to do like an imperson a, a show about impersonators. And that week they were doing Adele and the week after they were doing Rihanna or something like that. That's what they told us. But I'd done a little bit of telly to know that you normally get more information than this. So I was worried I was like all of a sudden on a reality TV show and I was going to look like an idiot so I was asking questions all day which the production really weren't up for and there was at one point and there is footage there is footage somewhere of me turning around to, I'm like all the girls are just yabbering on because they just they, they don't know they're just talking and I'm I, there was one girl I was like don't say too much we don't know what this is and then there's a camera pointed at me at one point I turned to production and I and I went is Adele here and they went, no, 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 she's not here. And I went, oh, okay. And then I carried on making myself look like her. And then after a while, I felt so, un- I, I, I was so worried where I was that I um, ended up leaving and getting a taxi home. And then all the girls couldn't text me. But two weeks later, I think it was, yeah. I get a text message from everyone I know that I was, I actually left that viral video and I was in a cab and I did a status update on Facebook that got 26 likes all about how I will not sign my uh, I will not sign my soul away in the big horrible scary city of London and actually I could have met her and I could have been there with you as well have you ever met Adele? no I've I no <laughs> oh, no <laughs> never <laughs> Oh, I, and also, but you were so canny. You were so canny because you were right to smell a big rat. I smell just a the huge wrong rat. rat. <laughs> just the ra- it would have been an amazing opportunity to have been there, but I just ended up leaving and getting a cab. And I did feel proud of myself. Yeah, then- you should because you were so on it. You were so on it. Just, ooh, just a little bit off. Yeah. Uh, Jade Adams is my guest. Jade Adams has just shown us a picture of her as Adele. I mean, Adele's own family couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, it was um, a while, a little while ago. It was uncanny between the two of us. I mean, we're we're slightly different now, Graham. Um, she's gone a bit Hollywood. Should we say that? <laughs> she's just <laughs> LA's founder. Yeah, and yeah. I'm happy for her. Yeah. Good, good on you, girl. Yeah, she's a sort of California shape now. <laughs> yeah, that she is. And I've stayed British. <laughs> True to your roots. Yes. Uh, a couple of things to talk about. So you are taking part in the uh, Graham Norton Variety Show. There, I said it. Yes. <laughs> I'm hosting. Uh, but what an amazing lineup. Uh, not just Jade. There's also Joe Lysett, Catherine Ryan, Bianca Del Rio, Phil Wang, uh, Danny Beard, and Sam Ryder is providing the music. Uh, so that's on March. 
March the 3rd at 8 o'clock. Uh, you can get tickets and info at jfllondon.com. jfllondon.com. That's all there. So that's that. But then you're going back out on the road with your own show. Yeah, so I've got a tour that starts on March the 11th at Hackney Empire, and it's called Men, I Can Save You. I did a show about women called, um, well, it had two names, actually. You'll realise why I had to change the name when I got it on Amazon Prime. It originally was called The Ballad of Kylie Jenner's Old Face, and then I had to change it to Serious Black Jumper because Chris Jenner likes to sue. So <laughs> I did a show about women, and it was only fair for me to do a show about the boys. Of course, because the boys are thinking, what about us? I know, exactly. And also, they really need helping. And what, 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 <laughs> every, a celebrity is not a celebrity if you don't, at some point in your career, believe that you can help other people. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going out there. I'm finding the lads. Yeah. And um, You're I'm, using your platform. I really am. Yeah. For a marginalised group. <laughs> Straight white guys. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, someone is speaking for them. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, so with the show, though, does it kind of, you know, because you do something big and splashy like Strictly, presumably everyone wants to talk to you about Strictly. Yeah. So when you're on stage, do you talk about Strictly? Well, I, I have now added a little 10, 15 minutes up top <laughs> to discuss Strictly in a way where I sort of bring the audience that might have only ever watched Strictly and not ever watched stand-up comedy to explain to them what stand-up comedy might be. I might explain to them what satire is. So sometimes I'm going to say things that sound like they're crazy that I would be saying them, but I'm saying them for that reason. Yeah, that's what it's about. Why, have you... That sounds like something happened. I've experienced... Well, even just being on the show itself, it's just something I noticed that perhaps a stand-up comedy in its purest form isn't really exactly the same as Strictly. I was really happy to be on there and I've got a really heartfelt warming story about having lost my sister, which I love talking about. But I am also a stand-up comic and I love to see irony and I've got a really good sense of humour and just sometimes um, the internet um, <laughs> might not take too kindly to some of my um, tweets that I do in, in response to their horrible stuff that they say when they watch you on Strictly so yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, you know like it was diff- it was quite an interesting point of view being there as a stand up comic because I think sometimes people find it difficult to find well I think it's difficult sometimes for some audience members to see a woman being funny so um, I'll never stop but also I what I liked about you on it was that you didn't stop being funny and you didn't stop being Jade Adams but you clearly took the dancing very seriously oh yeah I wasn't going to be a joke I remember saying to them at the very top when I asked, was asked to do it I said look one thing you must know about me is I'm not going to be dragged across the floor like Anne Widdicombe and I want to take this really seriously Um, because a lot of I will say the words it's quite triggering for people but I use it in a wonderfully positive way descriptive but uh, other fat people that have been on the show before they are sometimes the joke and it's like funny that they're dancing and I just wanted people to see a body shape like mine and and think and not think of it as a joke this time around and actually when I did the flash dance routine and I got my thighs out I mean it caused quite the stir um we had quite a lot of um quite a lot of uh it was just quite it was quite stirring for people yes. and i think uh <laughs> in, a good, in a good way good yes i think actually it was a good way it was good all round really um but yeah no it was you know super sexy and i just i believed i also was dancing with a girl as well so it was for me i i just 
I thought, you know, well, it's about time we saw saw a body like this on television being sexy rather than just being the joke. And that's sort of like my whole vibe, really. Yeah. Because um, there's no way we're going to ever change the way people talk about women's bodies. And that's if the women who've got the bodies aren't being all hot and sexy on television. Yeah. So there we go. Well, I look forward to seeing your body with a massive headdress on top of it. Thanks, babes. Woohoo! <laughs> and hearing your love opera and lots of jokes. Uh, the O2 on Friday the 3rd of March at 8 o'clock. It's the Graham Norton Variety Show. It's going to be a hoot and a holler, I promise you. Uh, not just Jade. Uh, Joe Lysa, Catherine Ryan, Phil Wang, Bianca Del Rio, Danny Beard, Sam Ryder doing the music. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. And now with added headdress. Things we didn't know. I, do you know, I bought this headdress during lockdown on a whim. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. There was this, this this woman called Fumbelinas and she was on Instagram and she every time she posted something, I just was like, I need to, I just need to buy it. So I bought like, I bought like a sort of a Madonna type sort of a virgin Madonna headdress. I bought this, I bought two massive floral ones. I bought a bubble headdress and now finally I've got the show for it, which is this variety show. Because I tell you what, I, I started off in variety. This is what I did. I was in cabaret. I, I sort of straddled all sorts of different places, kind of like you as well, like just in doing lots of different things yeah. and actually I think the future is variety I think the be- I think the best types of shows and I really think this is the show that's going to start off that that sort of desire for it as well like variety is just the spice of life and I think it should be in our live performance as well yeah I think it's got to be because a, a, you know stand up is great but it's quite good to inject lots of other things and you do that with your, I, yeah. your music and yeah and now a headdress yeah, yeah. well there's loads of, <laughs> now a massive headdress there are loads of acts as well doing really well with that like like Kat Cohen is like smashing it at the moment yes. as well, and then you've got Jordan Gray, who's like, you know, like there's a real sort of uh, there's there's a, a definitely a, um, a vibe going on at the moment, and I think this it was really exciting getting to ask asked to do this because you know you get asked to do a stand up show, and sometimes I'm like, do I want to hang out in a green room with a load of stand up comedians? <laughs> and now I don't have to only spend <laughs> spend time in the green room with we a load of comedians. We can talk there'll to the drag queens. We can talk to the drag queens. There'll be some drag queens there too. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I should say actually we're we're just wanging on about our evening evening, uh, Friday the 3rd, but actually it's a whole weekend of events, so all all the information, and there's loads of other comics, loads of other comedy things, really big things, Ryan Reynolds is doing stuff, uh, lots of British comics, uh, all that information and tickets are available at jflondon.com. Uh, Jade, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. I can't wait, Graham. Bye, enjoy. Bye. Bye. Oh, we don't know what you're doing tonight, so I'll shut up. Come on, baby, tell me what's the word, word it's our newish competition, Word Up. Your chance to win a Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box, including that fancy reusable drinks cup. Uh, there's champagne, there's truffles, there's aged balsamic vinegar modena. It's a good one. Uh, basically, you're looking for the missing word in the song clip I'm about to play. Uh, first up on the line, we've got uh, Millie. Hello, Millie. Hi, Graham. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very excited. <laughs> I've uh, never been on the radio before. <laughs> oh, Millie! Oh, first time caller. Uh, and where are you, Millie? Um, I'm from Grimsby, um, but me and my mum are just travelling uh, from London to Grimsby. We've been to see Matilda, uh, the musical, at the weekend. Um, and funnily enough, we just stopped off at Waitrose Lincoln to do my weekly shop. Perfect. <laughs> so thing. on brand, Millie. If you don't, win, if you don't win, there's something wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So basically, what we're going to do now is we're going to play you, and indeed your mom can help as well. Um, oh yeah, can I? I'll put you on speaker. <laughs> yeah, do because I think actually your mom might 
might be better at this. We'll see. We'll see. Basically, <laughs> well, wait. This song made popular by Dean Martin. Okay. It's a Dean Martin song. Yeah. But because you were at Matilda last night, you weren't watching The Masked Singer, were you? No. Okay. So, Ricky Wilson, off of Drive Time on Virgin, was revealed to be the phoenix on The Masked Singer, right? And he sang this song on the final last night, okay? It's yeah. made popular by Dean Martin. Okay. Can you can you hear me good on the, on your phone now? You can hear properly and everything. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play you the clip and afterwards I'll ask you what was the missing word, okay? Yep? Yeah. Okay. Ears peeled back. Here we go. When the remember rhythm starts to play, yeah. dance with me, make me like the lazy ocean hugs the floor. What was that missing word? Sway. Let's see if you're right. Ooh, it's very tense. <laughs> yes, you're right! Yeah, oh, my can... mum actually got it right. See, <laughs> I, I told you. To I told you mum would help. Uh, well, Millie, you get the uh, Waitrose gift box, but you'll have to give your mother something out of it. Maybe of the reusable course. cup. She might like the reusable <laughs> cup. <laughs> Oh, I'm so pleased for you. What a lovely weekend. Matilda, a nice weekly shop and now a gift box. Anyone else you'd like to say hello to while you're on the radio, Millie? Who knows when you'll be on the radio again? Who knows? I'll just say hello to my partner, Callum. We did text him, but I don't know if he got the message to tune in. So, hi, Callum. Well I'm, sh- well, I'm sure he'll enjoy uh, some of the contents of that gift box. Yeah. Uh, Millie, uh, safe travels home to Grimsby Bee. And uh, thank you so much for playing. Congratulations. Thank you, Grimsby. All right, bye, bye, bye. Millie's mom. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Well, that's a happy carload of people. <laughs> Parked outside a Waitrose as if by magic. And they correctly identified the missing word as sway, which is the Dean Martin song that Ricky Wilson uh, sang last night on The Masked Singer in the final when he was revealed as the Phoenix. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on all of our socials? We're also on TikTok. I know. Just look up Virgin Radio UK on all platforms to see everything from gorgeous dishes to Graham's guides. For now, speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.